Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. In the midst of the pandemic, while everyone in tiny apartments was looking to trade up to a larger home, Andy Martineau did the opposite. She and her husband sold their 7,000 square foot home in Arizona and moved their family of six, plus two kids in college, into a cabin by a lake in Utah. Andy went from having a two-story home with two kitchens and two laundry rooms to a two-story cabin with only two bedrooms and one bathroom. Yes, one bathroom. They weren't broke, rather worn down. The fairy tale is the big house, but the reality was that Andy spent all of her time cleaning the 15 plus room home, keeping up with 1.5 acres of land, managing the pool and raking the lawn. She desired for more time with family, but with all that space, sometimes they were so spread out in the house, she had no idea who was doing what. So in this episode, Andy will be sharing her story of how she made this decision, what inspired her to choose this path, and how it has impacted her family's life. She will talk about the benefits and challenges of living with less, including spending more quality time with her family and lightening the mental load that comes with having too much stuff. I have your questions here. So, well, Andy, thanks for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. You're welcome. I'm so excited. I'm excited to talk to you too. I know that you talk a lot about child behavior and helping us work through our big emotions when working with our kiddos, but today we are going to be talking more about your minimalist pursuits, even though that is something that you are an expert in. So before we get into this conversation, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? And I don't know if this question gets old to my guests, but I do ask everyone, do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? Uh, I love that question. So I'll, I'll weave it into introducing myself. Um, my name's Andy Martin, like you said, and I do have six kids. I absolutely, I love traveling. I've always been intrigued with minimalist living. Um, and we're going to get all into this, but in 2021, we downsized intentionally because we wanted to from a 7,000 square foot home in Arizona to 830 square feet um, in the mountains which has been a huge shift. We're going to unpack all of that, but it has really been an experiment at the highest level. And I, it's kind of my personality. I'm all or nothing. So it was like, let's just try it. I've always wanted to have, I read, you know, Marie Kondo's um, book and I've always tried to uh, have less and really believe that less is more, but you know, it's, it's hard in the world we live in to truly be able to stick with that. When I have closets, I can stick things in or garages, I can stick things in. So this has been, it's been really, really fun to see what it's bringing up, what's possible to live in 830 square feet in um, different state and with very little of the possessions we owned in Arizona. So that's a little bit about me. So you had a 7,000 square foot home and you moved into a cabin by a lake in Utah and you have six kids. So, you know, right. (laughs) Yes. This blows my mind. I think it's a really impressive and we'll get into the kind of day in and day out of what that probably looks like for you. But you said that this started during the pandemic, right? Yes. During the pandemic, it became, it became possible because all of a sudden working remote became possible. So all of a sudden these options opened up for us to be able to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people were starting to get perspective about what they wanted moving forward during that time. And I think a lot of people really did make 
huge transitions and transformations in their families or in their personal lives. So I'm excited to hear about this. Tell me more. What has it been like since you moved in? And again, what got the ball rolling with this? Your husband had to have been on board, obviously. Yeah, not a first. <laughs> I mean, I've always talked about my desire to live small. We've traveled in Europe to Europe a couple of times, and I was always amazed at how not everyone I know, but a lot of people, they just live with some less things in smaller homes. And and so I, I had been, you know, thinking about it for a while. But when the pandemic hit, my husband could now I I work on the internet, so I can work from wherever, but he could do that. We had a lot of different options open up to us. So he wasn't on board at first. He was a little bit reluctant. We had actually just spent the last mm, six years getting up to building a house. We had been in our, our house that we built. This house we were in was you know supposed to be the dream house. It had taken a long time to get to this point. So we'd been in it for just two years. And his initial reaction was, are you kidding? We just got here. Like, let's be here for a little bit longer. But for me, those two years, and as he got more and more honest, it had become more and more clear that for me, I realized it was a lot of stuff and a lot of things to take care of and to maintain. And we were on an acre of land too in Arizona in the desert. So trying to keep that thing free of weeds and green. And it was just a lot. And we, as we had more and more conversations as we were sitting around during COVID, everyone was at home. All of my kids were back home. Um, and we were trying to, you know, we were just talking about life. And like you said, so many conversations were coming up that we hadn't had before because we had this world pandemic that was really pausing us and making us reevaluate everything. We realized that what we really wanted maybe wasn't in this big home with all of these things. And I think also, as we started to look around, we realized how much stuff we had being honest about it, how much it was mental and emotional and all of the things and just physically taking up. And so we began just kind of talking about the possibility of it. So eventually he got on the kids were, I had four still like that were going to stay with us once COVID was done. Two were in college. So like the reality for them to moving state lines and getting rid of basically everything they owned, it was a process. And I really wanted to be clear with what I was hoping to create and really take into consideration how they were feeling. So it wasn't a like straight out of the gate. Everybody was on board. Let's pack up and move. But slowly, as we all talked about it, we realized it could be really fun to try out. So I want to know emotionally how it felt to get rid of the majority, the vast majority of your possessions going from that decrease in square footage. You had to get rid of a lot. How did you yeah. handle that? I'm sure it was a process, but you can tell me more about how it was for yeah. you. That's a great question. It felt amazing at first when it kind of hit me that, okay, we're going to get rid of all of these things. But it was actually one of the hardest things when we actually committed to it and got into it. It was one of the hardest things. I'd ever done really surreal, to be honest. I remember the night before we were leaving, I was sitting in the garage because we were at this point, we had basically distributed, sold, given away almost everything. And I was sitting in there. I still remember the, the extension cords and the tools and the rolls of duct tape and the bags of, you know, garbage, big black garbage bags to the outside. And all of these, what I thought would have been the most non-emotionally things, you know, that I needed to sort through. It was, it was surprisingly hard as I, I remember laying on the concrete in our garage and just crying and nobody else was in there. And I remember just letting the grief actually come out. I wasn't crying about saying, like I said, goodbye to the extension cords. 
but the culmination of grief from saying goodbye to all of these things that I wanted to say goodbye to. And I think that's really beautiful to really lean into grief in that way of it's a pain of a choice that we might make to say goodbye to things or a location or anything, but we're still attached. The reason I think we gather so many things is it, it does it does something for us as humans on different levels. And so to say goodbye to these final possessions, even though they weren't nostalgic and I didn't care about the orange extension cords necessarily, it was a grieving process, almost like someone had died. There were times where we were going through this stuff and it felt as if I was going through someone else's things and they had died and I had to get rid of all of this stuff and we couldn't stop. And it was surprisingly emotional. In fact, my husband's uncle showed up at the end and he had this trailer. I remember shortly after I gathered myself together, he came into the garage and he's like, I'm just going to take all of this, you know, all of these final things, I'll get rid of them for you. And uh, the reality of, oh my gosh, we really just sold or gave away almost at, we kept our cars and everyone brought their clothes, but the furniture we had was all gone because it wouldn't fit in the cabin scale wise. Didn't even make sense. Most of the decor, you know, we kept the keepsakes. That was nice, but it was just this strangely liberating experience, but also deeply uncomfortable in a way I never, ever would have predicted. So mm -hmm. I guess to summarize, it was exhilarating and totally terrible and uncomfortable all at once to really part with it. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. Absolutely. And I think not acknowledging that it is going to be hard kind of sets us up for that failure. But right. also you had a vision of what you wanted the future to look like, and it didn't include those things. I mean, you weren't going through the things in your head as you were making that decision, but it's still something to mourn. And it's kind of that thing where if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, but mm -hmm. it does mean that that's not hard. And so acknowledging that and moving forward, but you had this greater vision of what the future would look like. And so many of us don't have that vision. So I think it's really unique. And that's why I wanted to have you on here to share this story, because a lot of people don't, they may have the vision and never implement it. And I think it does take work and sacrifice. So I'm glad to be talking to you about it. So what have been the biggest benefits of minimalist living that you've experienced just personally or as a family in living in this smaller home? Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing is just how simple life is. When you only have 830 square feet to fill. It's pretty obvious when you have clutter. So you have to face the clutter. You have to face the extra things right away. There's no hiding or delaying. So that's, I think that's beautiful. It's kind of a pain sometimes too, because I, I wish sometimes I could just push things aside. So simple life is just so much simpler and cleaning takes 10 to 20 minutes. You know, if we're just doing a clean, even purging, because we have to do that regularly, because we still have the tendencies to bring stuff in, um, still doesn't take very long. It's so much easier to be present. You know, one of our biggest goals for simplifying our life was for me to be more available. And I think everyone's disposition is different. I, my brain tends to think about the projects and the laundry and all the things like it's constantly going. So to have less of that happening just makes it easier for me to be present with my kids, which is my number one goal. And my kids are starting to get older. And so I'm realizing I have less time while they're in my home. And so I really wanted to make that as easy for myself as possible. And another thing that has just been one of the hugest benefits is it freed 
up a lot of financial obligations. And one of the things I love to do is travel. So I knew in the middle of COVID that wasn't going to happen. And we didn't, you know, we just barely are starting to travel again, but just knowing that was an objective. If I had to set out my priorities of what was most important with, with, for me and for my family, I wanted to be able to travel. And so it's really fun to be able to do that with our kids, um, playing more games, hanging out more, you can't get away from each other. You know, we only have one bathroom. So in the morning when we're all getting ready, we're chatting and laughing and problem solving and sometimes, you know, fighting a little bit as they're like, it's my turn to have the mirror. But I love the bumping into each other and even teaching the kids to have to figure it out and to share. And and me too, you know, I just, I don't have my own bathroom anymore, which is so weird, but I love that I'm getting ready next to my girls. It's It was an adjustment, but it's actually really been fun. And for my kids, you know, them learning to share, we have all the kids in one room. We have three bedrooms, master, which is just a bed. There's no, it's not very big. And then two bunk beds in a bedroom. And then the room I'm sitting in as we're talking is the office. And so the kids have to share and figure out how to fit all their things in there. And right after we moved in, one of my kids, I can't remember who it was, but one of them said how much they loved the conversations they were having at night, that they just didn't have those when they when we were in the other house because they were more separated. And I love that. And, and I'll go up and read a book to them or I'll go up and just sit on the floor and they're all there and we have these conversations. So even though it's chaotic sometimes and it gets uh, the kids get frustrated that we're, we don't have more space, I feel like a huge benefit has been how close and connected we are. <laughs> you could say it's forced connection, but it's really been beautiful um, that there isn't any any place to escape uh, really in the house, which has been awesome. And the kids, obviously, they're, they would probably say how much um, simpler it is for them to do their chores. You know, they just love that or that they can blast the music in our Sono speakers and make the whole cabin rock. They just love, you know, they love that. So yeah, those have probably been the biggest benefits. Yeah, that's really fun. I mean, most of our lives we have roommates. So to me, I'm like, why not just right. get this younger age? All right. So you guys are all in this space in your house and kind of on top of each other, which again is not a bad thing, but I'm wondering how you keep it tidy with so many people in one space. Decluttering is probably a huge part of this, but I want you to expand a little bit more on tidiness and how you keep the stuff out. Yeah. Such a good question. And it's been, I don't know if I'll ever get to the end of this because it, it's, it's always evolving, but one of the biggest things is just learning to not bring in more than I have room for. I would say that when we were in my big house, you know, in a bigger house, I'd be like, okay, I can't buy that. I can't buy that. But I literally cannot <laughs> buy the stuff. And what's so fascinating is at the beginning, it's not as much of a problem now, but at the beginning I'd still would. And I would somehow convince myself there'd be a place for it. And then I would realize I don't have a place for that. So that's been a big thing we've had to learn is keeping our cabin tidy only happens when we don't have more stuff in the cabin than, than it can handle. And, uh, it's really funny because right now it's a, I mean, I'm just going to be totally honest. It's a total disaster because my daughter just moved back. She's done with college and she's here for the summer. And so she descended with all of her things and we're having to go through this. How do we, how do we find places or get rid of things so we can absorb her stuff? And it's a beautiful thing. Like my daughter right now is in the other room sorting through all of her clothes so we can make some drawers for her. But it's really fascinating when you, you can't wiggle on that because it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Like we've had to stop going to Costco because we really can't absorb a Costco trip. We did a few at the beginning and I realized, oh, that's not going to work. I mean, I could go get 
fruit leather or a few things, but I can't do a traditional Costco run. Another thing that we really have had to capitalize on to keep it tidy is vertical space. So we have one foot cabinets that go the length of the kitchen and they're only one feet deep, I should say one foot deep. So we have to use every wall that we possibly can have, you know, the coats, we have a hanger for those. So all the vertical space above our bathroom sink. We have to have a mirror on the outside of the door of the bathroom so people can get ready outside. And, you know, so we can keep everything as organized and try to find places for everything. And then the cleaning part, we've always had assigned areas that are much smaller now, but having different kids in charge of different rooms and we have to clean it up and pick it up and and really even vacuum it or clean the bathroom every day. Because when you have that many people using a space, the bathroom once a week or twice a week isn't enough. The frequency of the cleaning has increased a lot, but it's fast, you know, so that's been a huge thing that has helped, but also just a really good sense of humor has helped keep it tidy because it it gets messy really fast. But it also, I just have to always remind myself because my brain wants to go to, you know, oh my gosh, it's so messy to remind myself. It also cleans really fast. So a really nice sense of humor and going with the punches, like I said, with my daughter's stuff here right now, I've just, and, and really being okay. Like I have to wait to have this taken care of till tomorrow or tonight or whatever, like being okay with a little bit of clutter, which I didn't like at all. In fact, in my other house, I had two kitchens, like the dirty kitchen that we would use. And then the pretend kitchen that was like, my, my cousin called it the fake kitchen. I was like, I don't want the kitchen dirty. So the toaster has to be in the back. So for me, this has been a really a good uh, pressuring me, I should say, it's a good experience of learning to be also okay with a little bit of clutter. So it's not that I don't want to always tidy. I do, but my tolerance has to be a little bit different than perfection. So maybe it's, you know, gets you out of perfectionistic thinking when you try to tidy this small of a space with this many people. Maybe you said, and I didn't catch it. So you live in a cabin. Are you very remote and isolated or is oh. tell me more about where you are? Yeah. Good question. So the reason we picked where we are was because in um, I was raised in Utah and we came up here and we saw these gigantic mountains that seem to come out of nowhere. They're just right by the city. And so we live up in the canyon. It feels very remote. We have elk and deer and all of the things and stream and it's, it feels very remote, but we are 15, 20 minutes from target and my girls do competitive gymnastics. So we're 20 minutes from their gym. So we we kind of get the best of both worlds, you know, as far as feeling remote, but not really being terribly remote really. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Beautiful. Well, I was just going to say for us, we do have a smaller home. However, for our small space, we do utilize our backyard a great deal of the year. And I can't imagine not having that space. So that's why I was curious because for us, it actually is a lot easier for me to keep the house clean, mm-hmm. warmer, and the kids can just go outside. But I would say that kind of helped me. So that was, I wanted to make sure I asked that just to see what we were dealing with when we were talking about the space and what your kids are utilizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have the outdoors. and um, okay. But I mean, we just, the snow melted a couple, like a week and a half ago. So we're loving seeing the dirt again. So yeah. Some part of the year we can't really be outside, but they do ski and things like that. So we do definitely love being outside even throughout all the seasons. Since you are in a more remote location, probably don't have a lot of neighbors, but also I want to know how this has impacted your social life and downsizing and how you're staying connected to people. Again, you're not far from town, but has it had any kind of impact doing this? We didn't really know many people. Our family is all in Arizona. So there has been just the natural, no matter what kind of 
sized home we lived, you know, just learning the people around us and getting to know them. There are a few other cabins that are spaced up here that we've gotten to know a few people, but there's not, it's not a large community by any stretch of the imagination. And it's been a little tricky because when we have met people, especially when it's cold and you, we can't entertain outside, uh, we are very limited on inside. So we'll usually meet, at, but the nice thing is we can meet at a restaurant or we can go, my sister happens to live about 40 minutes from us. So if we get together with her, she always hosts and I've homeschooled my girls too. So we were lucky enough to tap into a homeschool group. So I've met amazing moms there, but it has been interesting too, because our other home, we were able to have people come and plenty of space. So that has been a, a big shift because right? even if we have all of our kids home, our big college kids will come over. It's full, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really full. It's been a different dynamic. It's definitely, we're not an entertaining house, but in the summer we have picnic tables outside and everyone loves to come up and see, to see us or visit us in the, in the summer. Cause it's so much cooler than it is for them down in the, in the city. So yeah, it's, it's been a fun adjustment. What do you miss? I want you to be honest. What do you miss about the larger home besides maybe having some more bathroom space? Yeah, no, that's a huge one, <laughs> especially for my girls with all their makeup. If they could spread it out again, I know they would. Yeah, they would love that. But I do miss our neighbors. We had really great neighbors. Um, my sister actually lived across the street, you know, dear friend and sister and other just people that were close by. So I do miss the neighbors. I miss my book collection. After homeschooling for a decade, I had so many books. I really was not able to keep all of them because we we decided when we moved that we wouldn't get a storage unit to put a whole bunch of extra stuff in. And so I had to make some really, really painful, hard decisions. So if I could go back, I'd probably keep more books. I'd sneak them in somehow. Somehow I'd save them. Um, and we had two pianos that we weren't able to bring. So I missed those. I also miss a regular dryer. Our house is so small that we had to get one of those two-in-one units. And sometimes it doesn't dry quite the same as a regular dryer. So I do I do miss having you know, the traditional washer dryer set. I know that sounds so funny, but it's the little things that you get in and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really awesome. But that being said, I'm grateful that I have the, uh, the two-in-one unit, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I don't miss cleaning or maintaining for all of those things, but, but those are probably the things I miss the most. Have you found that downsizing your lifestyle and you moved? So that's a huge difference. Yeah. Have you found that in downsizing your lifestyle, have you, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. Have you noticed it affect any of your friendships? Because it seems like a really big shift that you guys made. So have you, let me give an example. People that like to go to a mall type environment. I don't feel like I connect with as much as I once mm. did. My values and priorities have shifted and it's just not an interest of mine. So has that happened to you with your large shift that you've made? Yes, it has. And I've tried to be really um, maybe aware of my thoughts around it. I'm always trying to be careful to say to someone, this is not a judgment mm -hmm. on what you decide to do or live with your life. It's just what feels really good to us. But I think on the same note, it's been interesting to just see how it does create a new way of viewing the world. It's like questioning consumerism and questioning priorities and where do I want to spend my money and what do I want to do with my time? And, and so maybe more than anything, it's playing around with those questions that not as many people are playing around with potentially. Yeah. Like they're just going through the flow of it. 
there's an awareness. There's an awareness once those doors have opened in your mind. And again, I'm still not perfect at this. I (laughs) I feel like I have a newfound appreciation for free people. And I'm like, why did I discover this? I love free people. Yeah, yeah, I do too. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'd rather invest in a few free people items than to to target. But I've watched documentaries and I've been studying I don't, I don't studying this. That sounds weird, but I've been, no, it is. It's true though. Yeah. I've been pursuing and listening to fellow minimalist people that appreciate and practice sustainability or just live with an intention. And that's what I filled my brain with. And so the thing is people can listen to this and think that I'm making a judgment about someone that's not living the way that I'm living, but they could so quickly make judgments about the way that I parent or the way that I eat or we could make judgments about everyone about fill in the blank. And so if someone's listening at that, I would hope that they hear our hearts and what we're saying here. And we're just saying we've found a piece that we want other people to experience. And it, for those people around us that have not experienced that it can be hard to, uh, connect on that deeper, not even, not, it's not even a deeper level. It can just be hard to connect with one another. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And for the people who are interested in pushing themselves in a direction that maybe they hadn't considered before, Mm -hmm. or, or maybe they'll hear this conversation. And I know this has happened when, as people have asked about our journey, it opens their minds. Like, I wonder what that would be like. I've had so many people say, I want to do that too. How hard was it? What did you do? You know, I have a friend who wants to do dinner, a local friend. She's like, I need, I need your help. We've got to do this. I'm going through everything. I'm feeling so free. And so for those who want to explore and see if it's something that would work for them, hearing conversations that you're offering up on your podcast, I think are so helpful because it's for those who are curious, maybe it gives them, you know, an idea or helps them see a possibility that they didn't see before. A lot of people hear our story and they, they, they think about, or they'll ask me rather, I didn't even know that was possible. Like yeah. how, how did you even do that? And so I love for them, no matter what they do, what's their intentional thing they want to do instead of just going with the flow. And mm-hmm. I think for me, traveling to Europe opened up my eyes of, oh my gosh, these people live so differently and it's not better or worse. It's just different. And do I like it or do I not? And what do I want to take? And what do I think about their culture that would serve me? you know, that would help me live the life I want to live. And so I think that's the beauty of having conversations like this or, or traveling or, you know, talking about it, different things. Absolutely. And people can take what they, I always say, take what you want with what you want and behind what doesn't work for you. So maybe people hear how you and your family have chosen to live more intentionally and made the choice to downsize but they're not going to actually downsize as much as you have, but it might get the ball rolling and uh, encourage people in a way that they hadn't been before. Yeah. That was a good thought to like explore, I think. All right. Well, if you have any other final words of encouragement you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap up the conversation. Yeah. I was just going to build on what we were talking about of if someone hears a conversation about minimalism and wants to try it out, I would just say, do it from a place of joy and abundance, make it an experiment. You don't have to commit to anything, get rid of some stuff, see if you like it, see if you don't maybe in uh, I play around with the possibility that we don't need as much as we think, right? If we haven't touched it for a year, probably can get rid of it. And I love just considering that managing stuff requires energy. Just considering that I don't, I didn't realize that 
I knew it did to a degree, but when we got rid of it, I realized how much energy it took to just have the things that we had. And I wouldn't say we had a ton. I mean, we had a, a bigger house, so we had you know stuff to fill it, but I wasn't a hoarder, right? So I didn't feel like we had all of these extra things hidden in closets, but even just the normal things we have that we aren't using can be a burden. And then don't try to copy anybody else's version of minimalism or simplifying. We each get to do it our own way and what's what works for us. And so I love that. And also just getting clear on your why. Why do you want to downsize? Why do you want to simplify? Why do you want to be more sustainable in this area or that area? I just love knowing the why. I don't, I think if we didn't have the why we wanted to do what we did to move to the cabin in the woods, it would have been really hard to stick with it when things got uncomfortable or difficult and be okay if it's uncomfortable. I think anytime we transition from this is the way we've been thinking and seeing the world and we start to consider another way of showing up or being, it can be uncomfortable, even though we want it, it can be uncomfortable. And so just giving ourselves a lot of time to make the transition or to go through this stuff. Remember, there's just, there's no rush into this life. You know, we just get to play around with it and experiment with it. But I will say, I really do for our family, it has worked so well to live with less and to learn how to only really have what we need. That would be my advice, you know, for anyone who's considering it or is on the path and maybe judging themselves for not being where somewhere else. We get to just do it our way. Don't compare, don't judge. So great word of encouragement. Well, where can listeners connect with you online? I know that you don't necessarily talk about minimalism and your yeah. but where can listeners connect well, with you online? Yeah, I don't talk about minimalism necessarily, but I do I think it goes right in line with minimalism because as far as how we get to this place of of really being intentional with our life. And I think minimalism is about being intentional with our stuff and our time and our energy. I talk about parenting in a way that's, let's be intentional about how we want to show up for our kids and the legacy we want to leave and the connection we want to have with them. So on Instagram, it's just Andy Martineau. My website for the parenting stuff is connectmethodparenting.com. As we quickly wrap things up here, quick fire round, what has been a beneficial resource that you want to share with the listeners? I love this. So if I look back on my life and this might not be a traditional thing that, you know, people share is for me, books have always been, I think as a homeschool mom and a lifelong learner, I love books. So three books, I would say have been a beneficial resource for me is the body keeps the score amazing about the nervous system man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl, which is the most, one of the most inspiring stories about a man's perspective on going through the concentration camps. I, every time I, I want to complain, I'm like, if Viktor Frankl can do it, I can do it. And then just a really fun picture book, the chocolate covered cookie tantrum is one of my favorite books about tantrums and why they happen and how to deal with them. And I feel like every time I read it with my kids, I would learn something and they would laugh and it was so, so fun. So those are three resources that have really served, served me that I wanted to share. Great. Well, I'll be sure to include those in the show notes. My last question for you, because my kids are starting to come in here and get <laughs> they want mom back. What is something you can't stop talking about? I know this is kind of funny, but there's some plants I got from Ikea and I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I wanted house plants for years and always killed them. And about a year ago, I finally, I'm like, if Ikea can keep them alive and that's no disrespect for Ikea, but I'm like, if Ikea nursery can keep them alive, I probably can keep them alive. And so I tell every, when they come in my house and they see my plants and I am always saying, go to Ikea, get your plants from Ikea. So I look at them every day and I love the greenery and it just makes me feel happy, especially when it's been winter. So Ikea plants, real plants, not the fake ones, the real ones that require water and all of the stuff. 
I think that's where we got our snake plant and it's still alive great with these crazy kids around. Yeah. I've still been able to manage to keep it alive. I know. So it's a win, you know, it's a win. I know I've gone back and I just keep getting more thinking, are they really going to keep, you know, different varieties and they've worked. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And like I said, I yeah, hope thanks for having me. people not to maybe fully downsize, but to start considering more of a minimalist lifestyle. So thanks for joining me. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.